Welcome back, everybody, to the Live the Legacy podcast, a project that's brought to you by the Andrew Goodman Foundation. I am your host, Mo Banks. Uh, This is episode three of season three. Can you believe we're like halfway through season three already, which is a little bit mind-blowing and also really exciting. I love this this week's episode. I feel like I say that every time, so maybe I'm biased. I don't know. Call me out if I am, but it's true. I am excited about this week's episode. So I don't want to take up too much time just because um, my interview with Zoe Williamson from the SLSV Coalition is just so jam-packed. So I would love every minute of this podcast to um, be as front and center as possible. So I'm going to be quiet and we're going to just jump right in. Thanks so much for listening and I hope that y'all enjoy. Yeah, thanks, Mo. Um, my name is Zoe Williamson. I am the communications manager at the Students Learn, Students Vote Coalition. Um, through that role, I do our social media, I run our websites, I write talking points, I interview partners, I uplift stories. Um, basically, I'm working to make sure that the story of the student voting movement is told uh, both internally and with people who don't know about our work. Nice. It's always really lovely to sit down with another comms person yeah. Um, because we like totally get each other's struggles and our victories. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Things comms related. Uh, But for people who don't know and aren't familiar with what SLSV is, let's just pause real quick. And can you explain what SLSV is and also maybe like why you wanted to work there? Yeah, so SLSV, or the Students Learn, Students Vote Coalition, is the largest national nonpartisan network in the country dedicated to increasing student voter participation. So we're made up of campus, nonprofit, community, student, and philanthropic leaders who are all helping student voters get more involved in our democracy. Um, So SLSV acts as the central nervous system for all of these different types of stakeholders. Uh, And basically, we lead collaborations across organizations, coordinate national programs and campaigns, and we distribute resources directly to organizers on the ground. And for a long time, a lot of these campus groups and nonprofit organizations were doing student voter activation work in silos. And we know that the youth vote was really low for a really long time. Um, So in 2016, the coalition was formed to bring everyone together and really bring formality to this movement that was kind of happening in pockets around the country. So over the last six years, our movement has gotten larger and larger, which has resulted in hundreds of more campuses making nonpartisan democratic engagement action plans, millions of young people being registered to vote, and, you know, really changing a culture of civic engagement, not just on campuses, but in our communities as these students graduate and become more uh, civically engaged young adults. Um, And, you know, we've also seen historic youth turnout three election cycles in a row now. So we know that the collaboration and innovative strategies are really making a difference in the country. Um, And honestly, like, as a local leader, I used to be a local leader myself. Uh, I first heard about the SLSB Coalition in 2018, whenever I was in college at Louisiana State University, and I was serving as an Andrew Goodman Foundation ambassador. I was able to meet the co-founder and executive director of SLSV, Clarissa Unger, because she served as a plenary speaker at a conference that we put on at LSU. Um, And then she ended up inviting me to speak on a panel uh, at the 2018 post-election gathering in DC. And whenever I was there, I got to meet like 
dozens of people who were doing like the exact same work that I was doing, but just on different campuses. And I was able to like learn about how much I could be increasing student turnout on my campus by using these resources that were provided by the coalition, provided by other people, you know, like other campuses were creating resources that I could just use and change for my own campus context. Um, and it, Honestly, like implementing those resources was invaluable for my campus's success, uh, not just whenever I was there, but like continuing on through this day. And, you know, it's really motivating and invigorating to finally be around people who are as dedicated to civic engagement and believed in the youth vote as much as I did. So when I eventually moved to D.C., I reached out back out to Clarissa because I wanted to be involved in the democracy space as my career, not just as a college extracurricular. And the rest is history. I've So I've been involved in student voting for about seven years now, but I've been at SLSV for almost three. That is awesome. What a beautiful and comprehensive answer. I love coalition building. I love the idea of taking all of these resources that we have and instead of doing it separately, we're just doing them together. So that's why I really, really was hoping that I could sit down with you because, um, you know, bringing, it's it's easy to feel as though we're, we're doing this work by ourselves and there's no one else out there, especially with like how many difficult things are happening in the world. Um, so whenever SLSV can bring so many different organizations together to not only share resources, but have shared goals and shared strategies and tactics, game changer, hands down. Um, and if y'all want to learn more about SLSV, we actually, I got the absolute pleasure of talking with Clarissa and Danny from SLSV last season. Um, so check out season two of this podcast. If you want to learn a little bit more, we talked, uh, pretty extensively about the power of the youth vote. It was a really awesome episode. So even more representation here with us today from SLSV, because I really believe in the work that y'all are doing coalition building, I think is just incredibly invaluable. So Thank you for that answer and for, for being here with us. So as you mentioned, um, you're an alum of the Andrew Goodman Vote Everywhere program, which is really cool. We've been chatting this season with a lot of current ambassadors, um, and I've been hearing kind of their frustrations and struggles and challenges, as well as a lot of their successes. And I thought it would be really cool to bring an alum on to kind of share what your experience was. So I guess like start, I know you kind of gave a shout out to LSU in the last episode or uh, episode last uh, question, but can you tell us like where you were an ambassador at, what your experience was at, was like, um, and maybe some of your challenges and successes uh, so that folks who are listening to this can learn from them. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, so I was an ambassador at Louisiana State University from 2018 to 2019, and I was the president of Govo LSU in 2018. And, you know, it's not an exaggeration whenever I say that serving as an Andrew Goodman Foundation ambassador literally changed the trajectory of my life. Like, I was, like, really interested in civic engagement, but AGF, like, invested in me, invested in, like, the young people that were on the ground. And, they also invested in my campus organization. They believed that LSU had the power to have a high student voter turnout. And they wanted to make sure that we had the resources that we needed to thrive and grow as a program. Um, and I was actually really lucky to be able to attend the 2018 and 2019 in-person um, AGF like conference, which like completely like was 
really instrumental to me like realizing like this was even before I went to the post-election gathering like realizing like oh my god there are people around the country that like care about civic engagement that like are like investing their time in the same way that I'm doing and I met like so many amazing organizers through AGF like at these programs that I'm literally still friends with to this day like uh I'm, fr- I'm still friends with Evan Malboro like we talk all the time about how we can continue this work we've been like collaborating over like the Georgia runoff stuff like through AGF and ACLU and we made that relationship through the AGF ambassador program um so yeah like being an AGF ambassador and like the like leadership skills that they offer like really solidified my interest in youth civic engagement and like going and hearing all of the stories and hearing like the different challenges from around the country like lit a fire in me to continue fighting for a more equitable democracy because you know there are different issues and different challenges across the country and we can't just be focused on our own specific issues because this is all a collaborative movement. Um, and you mentioned like some of the challenges in, in the deep South, like there are so many challenges um, to voting, especially uh, young people. There are increased restrictions to try and keep us from casting a ballot. And we face a lot of issues, uh, especially in 2018, regarding voter ID and lack of early voting opportunities. But I'd say the greatest challenge that um, my organization faced whenever I was serving um, as an AGF ambassador was that our campus was split into two different um, precincts with two different legislative districts, um, which made it really difficult to like mobilize the vote. Like we didn't have an issue registering voters, but like when they were like, okay, well now where do I vote? We had to be like, oh, you actually have to leave campus. There's no sidewalks to get to your precinct and there's no bus route that will take you there. And they're like, well, there is an on-campus polling location. And we're like, but that's for the other half of the campus and you can't go there. And and that actually is like the nicer dorm. So it was like actually inequitable because like the camp, like the students that were living in like the cheaper dorms, like didn't have access to their polling location. And so it was like, it really caused a lot of confusion about like who could vote where and made it really impossible for on-campus GOTV efforts. Like we we could do it, but it was like, re- like we did not see a lot of um, students voting on campus. Um, so basically we were able to meet with the city council to try to figure out like how to navigate this, like how to ensure that students like had access to polling locations, but we couldn't consolidate the precincts because they were in different legislative districts and because a lot of the community that lived within those precincts would have been disenfranchised and not had access to their polling location. So it was really complicated. We had to like do a lot, like run a lot of different tests, meet with like all of these different like elected officials to figure out like which communities would still have access to the ballot if we move these precincts. And then we ended up being able to testify in front of the city council. Um, dozens of go vote volunteers came and I stood before the council and testified about how this was needed and um, would really impact youth turnout on campus. And we were able to redraw the lines basically a little bit while still like ensuring that the community had access to a polling location. Um, and it ended up passing unanimously by the city council. And we, we were able to get students access to the ballot. So biggest challenge was overcome, I guess. Wow. I am so glad you shared that story. I am, you know, you were at AGF before I was, um, 
So I didn't know any of that. That's incredible. And I think a really poignant story to, to talk about because so many redistricting efforts were just past all these maps um, and gerrymandering has been a huge hot, you know, hot button issue recently because of the new census and things like that. So this is like a really important example of how your, your districts can be even split on a single campus. That is wild. I really appreciate you telling me that story. I'm so glad that y'all's organizing efforts um, ended up being successful and shout out to all the hard work that y'all put in. That's in, that's really, really cool. I appreciate you sharing that. And hopefully, yeah. the, you know, other ambassadors who might be fighting for similar things can kind of gain some hope from hearing that story. Because I know that there's a lot who are currently advocating for on-campus polling locations who have come up with so many like red tape barriers and different things that they are trying to currently overcome. So I know that, you know, hearing about different challenges and successes and different strategies used, I think can always bolster people's efforts. So I appreciate you, you sharing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So to that end, you know, like, why did you want to do this in college? Like, there's like so much that's vying for your attention. I know whenever I was in college, I didn't care about voting. I was not engaged in civic action. Like I just, it wasn't on my radar. How, what was, like, was there, were there issues that got you involved that you were really passionate about? Um, that made you want to be like, Oh, I can make a difference here. And also I can help my peers. Like, use their voices and make a difference too or yeah kind of like what drew you into the space in the first place yeah so um i started out in civic engagement whenever i was still in high school um i went to a really small public school um and we were losing our arts funding and my mom who is an accountant and like not political at all like had the like time to kind of like run this um, campaign to increase our property taxes in order to pay for the arts funding for our, our school. And so I would sit at the table with her and like make calls, send out postcards, trying to like increase this arts funding. Cause for a long time, I wanted to be an actress. That was my, that was my life goal. That's what I wanted to do. And so I was like, I got to fight for what I want, you know? Um, but then the property tax, uh, measure failed, um, whenever I was, whenever I was 17 and we did lose the arts funding and the next year, um, my mom ran the same campaign again. Um, and this time we focused on reaching out to the high school's alumni. So the students that had graduated within the last four years. We reached out to them on campus. We texted them. We texted their parents, be like, hey, you need to get your kid up here to vote for this tax measure. I know that they're not in school anymore, but like this program really served them. And we were able to organize like hundreds of alumni to come and vote and the measure passed. And that was something that was like really impactful and like really showed the power of like how mobilizing young people can make the difference in the smallest ways that really impact young people's lives day to day, right? Like we lost the choir, the art classes, the theater, and now they're back. And now the young people at my high school have the opportunity to explore that aspect of their education because we were able to mobilize the people that had not shown up in the election prior. And so that really like lit a fire in me to like, made me realize the importance of these different issues that we care about, they're important and they really like make an impact. But if people aren't showing up to vote for them, there's nothing that we can do. We can spend all of our time talking about them, debating them, discussing them. But if there's not actual action taken, then 
the, the discussions were for not, right? And so I actually ended up becoming an AGF ambassador by accident. Um, I had gotten interested in civic engagement. I had two different inter- internships in college. I was working for the Louisiana Secretary of State. And then I was doing like a research assistantship uh, with a professor. I was like studying misinformation and fake news. So I was already into political communications, like interested in that work. Um, but then one day I was sitting in my professor's office, we were talking and he was like, oh, I have some students that I like mentor that are going to come. They have some questions. They're having some issues. Um, and they came in and wh- I found out that they were the current at the time AGF ambassadors. And they were trying to get a meeting with the Louisiana Secretary of State uh, to try to get an on-campus polling location. And they had been emailing his office, tech, uh, calling his office and not able to get a meeting. And I was like, well, I can get you a meeting with the Secretary of State. I'm meeting with him tomorrow. And so I was able to like coordinate that uh, meeting with the Secretary of State. And they invited me to come to kind of like be part of that conversation. Um, and after that, I was really involved in the on-campus polling location uh, project. So I stayed on and we started working on working with elected officials on that. And then but when those AGF ambassadors graduated, I was kind of the only person still involved in the program. So I became the like default AGF ambassador. Um, but after that, I became president of Go Vote, and we were able to recruit like 50 plus volunteers during that summer in order to like really build up the program. Um, and that's how I got involved in AGF was just like through like happenstance and like being in the right place at the right time. Um, but I'm so, so, so grateful that I did because it really, it really has rocketed off um, so many experiences for me. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really cool story like I love when things like that happen and line up so perfectly um and that's awesome to hear like that your mom played such an integral role in how you got in like involved in civic engagement I think that's a whole nother episode I could probably have about like parents role in like the younger generation and and helping them realize their own power and their own voice but maybe that's for a different time um, <laughs> but that's really cool to hear and I you know that's one of the reasons why we focus so much and try to uplift the the power of the youth vote so often is because and whenever we do start younger, whenever we do have more engagement at a younger age, that that does, we see that last even longer into their lifetime. So and you're such a wonderful example of that. So I appreciate you sharing that story. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, how I got involved in civic engagement and the work that I'm now doing had a lot to do with the power of Andrew Goodman's story and James Earl Cheney and Michael Schwerner. Um, and obviously like I'm, I'm going to couch any conversation that I'm having on this podcast and their legacy story, because that's why we do what we do at Andrew Goodman foundation. So do you happen to remember the first time you heard Andrew's story and how did that impact you as a young person hearing that this 23 year old, um, ultimately gave his life for trying to register black people in Mississippi to vote. And um, his whole heart and mission was just to try to make our democracy more equitable. Yeah, I, I'm. it's cool to hear you say that that like is couched in everything that you do in this work, because I would say the same for me. I first learned about Andrew Goodman actually from Valencia Richardson. She was an OG ambassador. She founded Go Vote LSU, and she was a really big mentor to me and a big reason why how I got involved with civic engagement at LSU. Um, but when I met her for the first time, 
that was actually, she told me the story of Goodman, Schwerner, and, Ch- and Cheney and how in the South, civic engagement is more than just surface level. It's like down to the core of our foundation. And people have been fighting for decades uh, to keep the right to vote from being taken away from communities of color and from young people. And hearing that story from Valencia and hearing her tell how that has really shaped the fight that she has in her and like the path of her life really connected a lot of the dots that have been like kind of floating around in my head about the power of young people and the disenfranchisement, especially in Louisiana, in Mississippi, in the South, the place where I had been raised and the place that I had seen civic engagement try and fail year after year. And it it showed me that like low turnout was not a, not a, apathy issue. It was a systemic issue. And that this was something that we had to continue to fight for and continue to like play a role in building out uh, the legacy of Andrew Goodman, James Cheney, and Michael Schwerner, because it is only sustained by each generation of organizers knowing this history and sustaining their legacy. Because like, even if you're just mobilizing your small community, we're all part of this larger movement started by these people like these three men. Why do you think young people are becoming more civically engaged? Is it because systems are changing? Is it because of certain issues that are driving folks to the poll? Or is there something that we're missing altogether when we're having these conversations? I think that's a great question. I think, honestly, it's a combination of all of those things. And I think we're really in an amazing time in history to be part of the youth vote because we've. this is the third election in a row that we've seen high youth turnout. And like you said, there are a lot of factors at play. But one factor that can't be ignored is that, you know, the general population as a whole is more engaged with politics now, which raises the baseline. Like um, in 2014, people weren't turning out. So young people weren't turning out. But if everyone is talking about the election, everyone's talking about the importance of the election, young people are going to care and they're going to they're going to know that their uh, their vote matters. But we know that student voting rates are growing faster than like the rate of the rest of the country. So there's definitely more at play here than just like general sentiment, right? Another factor is like more and more like local and campus level institutions are working to make sure that young people are welcomed into our democracy in like a way that actually encourages participation and doesn't just like shame them into like participating in their civic duty. Um, If you think about it, like the most major life transitions come with some sort of primer, like schools do orientation, jobs have training and apprenticeships, but there isn't anything like that really for participating in the democratic process besides like civics class and high school, which is like many years before you actually end up doing it. So you forget a lot of that information, but through like campus groups and organizations like AGF and SLSB coalition partners, I think a lot of things are changing in a big way that is going to sustain for years to come. Um, More than ever, we know that college campuses are making voting and civic engagement part of their school's experience and culture. So when students arrive, they're given the resources and instruction on actually how to vote and are invited to events and celebrations like campus takeover of civic holidays or ask every student programs. Um, That's center civic engagement and don't just include it as an afterthought. So like that's how campuses are really playing a role in increasing the youth vote. 
but I also would say that like young people like know their power and they like know that they have like the ability to create incredible lasting change through like collaboration and community. And so I think they're getting the information and the instructions on how to really harness that change and use it for good. Um, but they already have it inherent within them, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, my next question was going to be like, what do you want people to know about the power of these vote? Um, is there anything you want to add to that? Or is it summed up in like, young people know, like, they got this. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say that like, for a long time, like, we, the narrative has been that students don't vote, young people don't vote, and the data backed it up for a while. But that is changing. Leaders throughout the country, students, nonprofits, community leaders, and, and philanthropists have been like, working their butts off to change that reality for the last six plus years. And even since before the SLSB coalition was founded, they've been supporting student voters. And now there's like this nationwide coalition that amplifies and supports their efforts to establish students as a voting powerhouse. And these efforts were not just purposeful, they were intentional. And by sustaining them, that is how we continue this powerful growth and change. And so what I would like what I want people to know about young people and the power of the youth vote is, yes, it's inherent within Gen Z. I think that we have an activist generation. I think that we know the power of change and we care more about issues than about the candidates, than about um, actual, like the system of government. We know how to use the system to our advantage. But I also think that there's no way that we can continue this growth without investment. This does not happen organically. This happens because of intentional action taken by organizers on the ground. Yes, say that. Um, it is not a fluke. There are like, it's, and that's maybe that again, that's a whole other episode. You're giving me lots of ideas this time. But um, I think that there's so much there to discuss. Um, it's easy to see headlines be like, oh, cool, that's great. And not see the like immense amount of work that went in behind the scenes for all of that. So absolutely, it's an investment. All right. So I I end the podcast every, the same time every, every time I talk to somebody, which is just, it's going to be rooted in hope. There's so many difficult things that are happening in our world right now. There's a lot of things that are, it's, it's easy to get really down. Um, and so I believe that hope is a discipline. I think that we, we choose to be hopeful. Um, and I think that there are also just like spontaneous things that are giving us hope recently. So what's something that's been giving you hope recently? What's, it could be anything. It could be like your new favorite show just dropped. Like you have this meal that you just tried out and it's giving you life, or it could be something like more serious about like where you think the direction of our nation is heading or what, like, it could be anything in between. So tell us, you know, what's something that's giving you hope? I'll tell you this. I have been, like, happy crying a lot at work recently, which is, like, not something that I'm used to. I'm used to, like, being stressed crying. Um, and I think that's because, like, since I do communications for SLSV, I get to read every single article that comes out about the youth vote, whether it's good or bad. I have to like analyze it and kind of share it with people on my team so that we can see how the media is talking about our work. And like when I tell you that in the lead up to the election and since the election, I have been like 
like so overwhelmed by the amount of hope and joy that Gen Z is bringing to politics. Like I feel like the culture around politics and being engaged in our elections is just completely becoming hope forward. Like for a long time, it was fear forward. It was stress forward. But now like we see that like through this investment, we can create a better world. And young people are like doing the damned thing. Like we've talked about it, but they're like actually doing it, right? And they know there's power in their numbers and they refuse to let this power be silenced by apathy like they have like we have in the past. And you know, the thing, the story that like has created the most hope for me, I don't know if you saw this, um on election night um in at Mich- Michigan State, Students stayed in line to vote until 3 a.m. They they stayed in the cold to, to cast a ballot because they knew that there was power in the collective and that we make change when we show up, when we turn up to vote. And like literally every time I think about that, I'm like kind of getting like tears in my eyes just thinking about it because it's just like so amazing. And like six years ago when I started this work, it was like impossible to imagine that like there would be this much Um, growth in this movement and that young people would really see the power that they had. And, you know, this energy isn't going anywhere. And that is what gives me hope. You know, we saw the second highest youth midterm turnout in history this year. And we know that more people turn 18 every single day. So like now it's just the the question of like, how do we reach them? How do we make sure that they stay engaged, that they vote in 2024, that they vote in 2026? Like, and I know our partners got this in the bag. Like we know how to do this. We have the best practices. We're like investing and we like are continuing. Like we're not going to let up in 2023. We're not going to let up in 2024. Like this is long term. And so I have hope for our democracy, honestly, now than I have in like years because I've seen it happen again and again. And there's proof in the pudding. That's That's what it is. Yeah. Wow. I have goosebumps like everywhere. That is incredible. I love that story. I've thought about that story often. Um, it's so freaking cool. I love it. So thank you for sharing that hope. And, um, you know, it brought smiles to my face and I hope our listeners feel the same way. Um, you know, unfortunately it's the end of our episode, but we do have one more uh, question of, are there any shout outs you want to give before we end our time together? I personally want to shout out both of our Wi-Fi's Neither one of them cut out while we were on this call, uh, which I know we were both nervous about because we we're in the middle of like some winter storms. Um, but <laughs> are there any like for real shout outs you want to give before we end our time together? Like social medias, you, media handles you want people to follow, websites you think folks should be visiting. And just so you know, all of these will be in the show notes um, that I'll put on the episode when it drops. But yeah, any shout outs? Uh, I would first like to shout out my landlord snowblower who was a was a co-host on this call. Um, <laughs> I also want to give a shameless plug to the SLSB Coalition social media accounts at SLSB Coalition on both Twitter and Instagram. You can keep up with the coalition and learn about our fantastic partners and programs there. Um, you can also check out hundreds of resources and learn more about our work at slsvcoalition.org. Um, I'd also like to plug uh, another baby of mine, National Voter Education Week, the cousin of National Voter Registration Day and Vote Early Day. 
I know voter education might not be as fun as registration or turnout, but it's so vital to ensuring that we have a thriving and working democracy, and we really work hard to make voter education fun. So you can learn more about National Voter Education Week at nationalvotereducationweek.org or at National Voter Education Week on Instagram at NATL Voter Ed Week on Twitter. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you. And again, those will all be in the show notes for those who are listening. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, this has been a really great episode. Thanks so much, Mo. I really enjoyed it. A great way to start the morning. This concludes this week's episode of the Live the Legacy podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes, please consider leaving us a review, rating us, or becoming a subscriber. All of those things help other people find our podcast that much easier. A special shout out to Tabik Music for all of the music that you heard on today's episode. Once again, this has been your host, Mo Banks with the Andrew Goodman Foundation. Thank you so much for listening.